It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. This is the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Hour number two is upon us on this uh, Friday afternoon. Ed Dawson. Rob Francis on location, and uh, before the hour is done, it's Friday, and uh, that means our donkey of shame will be uh, announced and go uh, trotting about. Um, I uh, Do you have an idea of who yours is going to be yet, Rob? Yeah, I've got an idea or two. There's, uh, there's a couple of them out there that uh, certainly deserve a uh, saddle on the uh, mechanical donkey that tends to stride through town once a week. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll unveil those uh, a little bit later on. So you know, as we talk about the election, Ed, and and we we talked yesterday a little bit about an issue in Pennsylvania, and an issue in Wisconsin. Did you see what happened in Virginia? Uh, enlighten me. Well, a few counties in Virginia apparently saw absentee ballots sent to more than a thousand voters. Multiple absentee ballots, by the way. Oh. More than a 1,000 of them who applied for them got an extra one in the mail. Now, while you would expect that that would not be an issue on the surface, that there would be a way to certainly make sure only one of those ballots count, it again goes to the aspect of states that are not used to doing this mass mail-in balloting having multiple mistakes occurring. And that's got to raise question marks for people as to how these states, I mean, (laughs) you're sending out over a 1,000 people in Virginia got an extra absentee ballot. You know, their officials are blaming label printing machines that jammed, causing duplications. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, I I just, maybe it's me. Maybe I just believe in being prepared. Maybe I believe in making sure everything is supposed to be done and double-checked and triple-checked before you're supposed to do it. Or maybe this is just how governments run. Maybe this is a common problem because government is the last one to get something fixed. I really don't know. But to see another instance where another state is having massive errors when it comes to trying to pull off mass mail-in election, it just it makes me shake my head. And again, by the way, Virginia, it's, it's another Democrat governor. Well, you know, I've, I had this, this thought, um, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago. It kind of just hit me when... There was, you know, the big push and, you know, for early voting and uh, because of COVID and, you know, of course, this is a very important election and all this stuff. And my mind went to offbeat things as it tends to do. And I I focused in on there was an old phrase that was used as a joke, but it's not so funny right now. The old phrase was vote early and vote often. And we're seeing it play out now. 
I mean, th- this this is just it's another example. And yes, we go we go back to to Washington State. We go back and we point to Washington State that it has taken two decades to get this thing to where it is working better than arguably anywhere else in the country. It's still not flawless. It's still not perfect. Um, but it's better than just about any other state in the country that does this. Um, it has the opportunity to be better, and I think there are some things that we could do to make it better, to make it even more secure and create less opportunities for fraud. Um, we're not there yet, but but I think we could see something maybe in this coming legislative session that might deal with that. But when you have states like Virginia and the overwhelming majority number of states in the country that only deal with a limited amount of absentee ballots for those that are in the military or for um, kids that are of voting age that are going to school out of state or out of their residential area, that's not a lot of absentee ballots that you handle on a regular basis. And so doing this and, and, and upticking it to the degree that they are, and look at the three states that we've seen issues in the last two days, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Virginia, all Democrat governors, all trying to blow this thing out and do this so quickly that they don't have enough mechanisms in place to prevent things like this from happening. Yeah, it doesn't... It, it doesn't uh... It doesn't garner a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, if, if you're in one of those states, um, you know, I'd be I'd be very anxious to talk to somebody in, in one of those states that is doing this now. Um, maybe not for the first time, because, as you said, they've been dealing with absentee ballots overseas, military, you know, what have you, college students, you know, going to school in a different state, whatever. But nothing on this scale. I would really be interested to hear from just uh, regular voters in those states about, uh, you know, do they feel confident that their elections will go okay? You know, I really hope they do. Um, I really hope they do. But I, I think like many more people are increasingly believing that this is going to be challenged in the court. That this is going to uh, this is going to wind up being a Supreme Court decision with the amount of ballots that are out there, and of course challenges that are going to come. Because look, the challenges are going to come from things just like this, from things that we're seeing right now. 1,000 ballots, extra ballots. Now, it's no, it, 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 I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. This is not any type of an accusation against Virginia trying to create, trying to commit voter fraud. This is a, this is more of an oversight. This is more of not having the, the mechanisms in place to prevent it from happening because you're not used to dealing with the load. Plain and simple, you're not used to dealing with this amount of absentee ballots. These are the kind of things you're going to see court challenges on. These are the kind of things that you are going to see tie up the results of the elections for days, weeks, hopefully not months. 
But it's these kind of mistakes that are going to be made in multiple states that are going to create the court challenges that we will inevitably see in November. Yeah, I mean, we can we can point to those states and we can point to, uh, you know, the election officials in those states. But, uh, you know, I really I really hope that they are able to go after the bad actors who are going to try to take advantage of that knowledge, knowing that, you know, certain states are struggling with this and then. Undoubtedly, they're going to try to, uh, you know, circumvent the system, the, a system that's already uh, on on a shaky ground. Well, and to me, the biggest argument against this, this, this ridiculous assessment that people can't go out and vote, is if retail stores have been able to operate and put six feet, you know, six feet apart, nice little placards on the floor, and they've been able to keep people social distancing while waiting to check out, you can vote in person. Let's be honest. You can vote in person. There's not even a question there. I mean, you've got, you have businesses that handle significantly more freight than a polling place, and they're able to operate with restrictions and precautions, and people are not exactly reporting mass COVID casualties at Safeway. So if you can go grocery shopping and you can go to the you know, Home Depot and you can go to another big box store, you can go in person to vote. There's That really shouldn't be a question. You wear your mask, you stand six feet apart, somebody can sanitize the voting machine when you're done, and guess what? You've just voted in person. So if you vote in person, the messaging we're getting in some of these states, if you vote in person, you're going to die of coronavirus have fun grocery shopping, enjoy Costco, but you can't vote because you won't be safe. We're going to take a timeout, 547-1610, 509-547-1610, if you'd like to join the conversation. A NASA astronaut today even said she planned on voting from space. She's uh, preparing to launch. She's in Russia right now going to go to the International Space Station. So, you know, if you can cast your ballot from space, I guess you can do it in person, too. Give us your bottom line. Call 509-547-1610. Now, back to the show. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Welcome back to the Bottom Line News Radio 610K on a Friday afternoon. The phone number is 547-1610 if you'd like to get involved. CBD American Shaman across from the Grain Elevator on Clearwater in Kennewick. They stand behind their 100% all-natural CBD products, arguably more so than anybody else. Why do I say that? Well, how many other places do you know not only post the lab results of their products online for you to see, will let you try anything in the store before you buy it, and then offer you a full 100% money-back guarantee for 30 days after you purchase any one of their products. Whether you bring the bottle back full, whether you bring it back half empty or empty, 30-day money-back guarantee on anything you buy at CBD American Shaman. They're with the product from the time the seed is planted all the way until it reaches their shelves, and they stand behind it 100% with a 30-day money-back guarantee 
Every penny goes back to you if, for whatever reason, you don't like the product. So stop in, try them today, and take them up on that guarantee. CBD American Shaman across from the Grain Elevator on Clearwater in Kennewick. Uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend in Oregon, Ed. It is. Let's get into that in just a moment. But first, let's go to the phones. We've got a couple of callers standing by. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Mark from Kennewick. What's on your mind, Mark? Oh, well, I was actually thinking about the whole voter thing. Um, why don't we try uh, one social security number, one vote? Kind of takes care of the whole, uh, you know, illegal immigrants being able to vote, um, you know, using the, they only get one social security number, so it's one vote. And uh, kind of de facto takes care of voter ID. No, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Appreciate the call. Uh, I, I guess my only thing I would say about that is there's Social Security fraud, too. People get their Social Security numbers stolen all the time. And uh, if we, you know, as opposed to, you know, identity stealing, uh, then they could, you know, potentially vote uh, by using your information on top of that. Uh, that would be a little bit tricky, too. Let's go to this line. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Pam from Yakima. Hi, Pam. What's on your mind? Well, I believe that this election is going to end up in the court no matter who wins. And also, this um, when we were growing up and voting, it was one day. Tuesday, everybody went and voted. So what about if they had people go down to the courthouse and open it up 30 days before the election where people could go in on their lunch hour and vote? They could go in on Saturday when they're not working and vote, and they could go vote after they get off work until 8 o'clock. That's an interesting point. I appreciate the call because, Rob, they do this in other countries, do they not? They have uh, There's some countries out there that have a, um, a time block. I, I want to say it's either 10 days or two weeks uh, where it is a voting period, and just to do exactly what that last caller said. Do we want to look at that? You know, I think it's plausible. I mean, really, if you want to talk about giving people an option, those that are concerned about COVID, those that are in a high-risk group, the opportunity to early vote in public by doing something like that, I think if you have enough people to man it, I'd say go for it. I, 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 I am all for giving people as much opportunity to be involved in the voting process as possible, as long as it is able to be run securely or as securely as possible. As long as there are checks and balances, I'm wide open for all kinds of ideas to give people the ability to exercise their right to vote. However... It needs to be done securely. There need to be checks and balances, and there need to be things in place that make sure that we are we don't have people turning their heads and allowing somebody to vote five times, that we don't have people coming in voting under somebody else's name. I mean, all those things have happened in the past. They can happen again. You know, as much as we like to think voter fraud is some new thing, it's not. Voter fraud has been happening as long as voting has happened. You know, it's just the fact that it becomes more high-profile now because we have so many other ways that people can commit it. But this is not a new problem. This is this is a problem that has been dealt with in elections for hundreds, for again, hundreds of years, going back to the beginning. No doubt. And I mean, look, the last thing we want to do is try to 
incorporate new things uh, in an election year, especially when we're, you know, what, five weeks away from the election. This now is not the time to be, you know, discussing and, and trying new things out. But I, you know me, I love conspiracy theories. I want to just preface this by saying, I don't know if this is true. To me, it's something that is worth thinking about and, and discussing, too, is why, like you said, we've had voter fraud before. We have had uh, mail-in uh, voting in, in a number of states in the United States. Why now? Why now? Well, let's walk backwards. If this is the... Uh, presidential election of a lifetime that many on the left are are claiming that it is. If it is so important to get Trump out of office, where you might try doing things that you know are out of the the bounds of normalcy in order to get that done, wouldn't a situation like we're in now be a great way to do that specifically? forcing having having some outside force in this in this instance the covid-19 pandemic use that as a vehicle to get that desired result you know again i know it's a conspiracy theory I, and i'm not saying that the the covid-19 thing is is not real it is you know but there is considerable amount of debate about whether or not this pandemic is really at the level that some places are treating it and, and you know as far as lockdowns and changing the way that we're going to vote you know you know one of my favorite questions rob is why now well the only answer for me right now anyway is because it's an election year a lot of things have happened this year and i you know i think some or maybe quite a few of them are because there is an election year this year you know, it's a, of course, it's a huge reason why, and it's always, you know, it's become more magnified every four years uh, as, as the election cycles continue because you continue to see that really the pulse of this country is center-right. It is not left. It is not center-left. The pulse of this country is center-right. And when I see tweets that come out from Joe Biden they talk about winning the battle for the soul of this nation. You're not looking to win the battle for the soul of the nation. The far left wants to destroy the soul of the nation. So if you win, Joe, here's what's going to happen. Those on the progressive end of your party that are now going to have the White House are going to rip the soul out of this nation and try and turn us into a Marxist-Lenin state. They will do whatever they can to create a closer socialist utopia and destroy the middle class once and for all, because that is what will happen. And there's going to be a lot of people in this country that if we do wind up going into a, into a socialist element or bring in a socialist atmosphere into this country, there's going to be a lot of people advocating for that that are going to be really surprised if it happens and they're left out of the change. It's not going to be the uh, unicorns and rainbows that they think it's going to be, their lives will be miserable. Going to take our uh, time out. Still have uh, quite a bit of the show left. Quite a bit of time for you to get involved as well. 547-1610 is the number. 
Email the show, too, by going to the website 610kona.com, the bottom line page. Stay with us. Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610-KONA. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. Happy Friday afternoon. I want to thank RoofMax for being a big part of the program. Locally owned and operated, RoofMax can give you another 5, 10, to 15 years of life on your roof for 15 to 20% of the cost of what a new roof would run you. Yes, that's simple. The state-of-the-art application developed at Battelle Labs and Ohio State University can add more time to your current roof, allowing you to save for the eventual replacement. They'll even come out and look at your roof for free and tell you if the application will work or if you need to get a new roof. Locally owned and operated RoofMax. Right here in the Tri-Cities, visit their website at RoofMax.com. So we got a bit of a traffic hazard out there, Ed. Well, we have a, a, a wind problem right now, Rob. Uh, all throughout uh, central and eastern Washington, we're seeing wind gusts around 30 miles an hour in uh, just about every location uh, that you can think of. And it is causing uh, some problems. Uh, we got a call from Joe, who's out on the road, and said that uh, Highway 26 near Washtuckna is uh, got blowing uh, dust and uh you know covering the roadway making it a hazard and i think i i did see some other similar hazards that are out there so if your travels take you outside of uh, your metro area out onto uh roadways uh, be mindful it is not only windy but uh, you do have uh plenty of debris uh, that can be blowing around causing things uh to be difficult in driving so wanted to pass that along to everybody so please use extra caution while you're out there driving right now. Um, so Kate Brown has declared a state of emergency in Portland. She declared it today, even though nothing's happening until tomorrow. Well, I'm sure things will be happening tonight, but that's not why she's declaring the state of emergency. Over 100 days of burning things down is not enough to declare a state of emergency, no. Uh, but when the uh, when the Proud Boys come to town and decide to have a gathering in Portland. Then we have to declare a national emergency because we know that the Antifa twits will not allow anybody else to express their point of view or allow any opposing viewpoint to have a voice. So there will be a, there's a state of emergency declared already for tomorrow because Kate knows that, well, Antifa people won't respect anybody else's opinion and they'll just go down there and cause a problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure much of our audience is uh, rolling their eyes right now that, you know, 100 days of, of unrest that uh, also led to quite a bit of destruction and uh, confrontations with police not worthy of a state of emergency, but uh, the possibility that a second group that uh, could go toe to toe with the first group, that is uh, that warrants a, a state of emergency. So I guess I'm wondering in Oregon, given what we've seen in Portland, does an Oregon state of emergency mean that state and county uh, law enforcement don't get to use any any force, just like what we saw in Portland, or how does that work? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I, I really don't know. I guess uh, under the arrangement, um, from what I'm seeing, officers will have access to tear gas. Um, he's prohibited his officers from using it um, because it was being indiscriminately deployed during meeting. You mean, we're just going to break everybody up. We should really be targeting the tear gas to one or two people because we know that's how it works, right? Um, but uh, under the arrangement, officers will have access to tear gas. Here's what's interesting, though. They're declaring a state of emergency today regarding what's going to happen tomorrow. But you know what happened last night, Ed? What's that? Rioters set the Portland Police Association building on fire. Again? Well, this is the Portland Police Association. Oh. So, yeah, this is. I think this is the union building. I just figured everything had been on fire at some point. Well, this might be the only thing that wasn't set on fire, and that's why it stood out. Um, but no, no state of emergency setting the Portland Police Association building on fire. No, we don't need a state of emergency for that. We need a state of emergency when a differing viewpoint comes to town. That's what we need it. it now they don't know how many law enforcement they don't know enforcement officers are coming in Portland uh, to to help you know tomorrow. Uh, in this state of emergency, uh, quite honestly, Portland should have been under a state of emergency 98 days ago. But, you know, hey. Yeah, it's um, it's it's stuff like this that really, again, coming coming from my perspective where, you know, I I. I Everybody knows I'm an independent. I'm kind of in the middle, and and I I just I look at things in a different way than a lot of people who, uh, you know, claim party affiliation for politics, and I am just like the the thing that bugs me the most is is the inconsistency, the 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 two sets of rules uh, when it comes to things, and and it, and it is very much been on display. Throughout the Northwest, Seattle, Portland, and you know, throughout California and other places in the country, but it's been played out this year, and it just it just drives me nuts. If if you want to if you want to govern a certain way, it has to be equal, and I mean that's just that's just the way it is, or it's supposed to be, and to treat you know rioters better than you know others law-abiding citizens allowing uh, rioters and lawbreakers to go in and mess with regular folks' lives, you know, is just, it, it's not right. And I know that sounds really like no duh, of course it's not right. But I don't, that's I think one of the things that, that bugs me the most is has been the inconsistency, and I'll say it, from mostly the Democratic leadership of of various states you know this is another example where you know another one was uh you know the uh the demonstration i want to say in michigan where it was a second amendment uh demonstration at the capitol uh in in michigan where people brought firearms which they were legally able to do and people lost their minds but they're cool with rioting and looting for months on end uh, for something that they perceive to be unjust, whether it is or not. 
you know, this this dynamic that exists, um, you know, you've got you have far left progressive elected officials that are backed into a corner when they are attacked, basically by these violent group of extremists. Now, these violent group, this violent group of extremists puffs their chest out when they've got 5, 10, 15 people uh, ganging up on individuals. But you notice how fast they scurry when they're met one-on-one or when a group of equal size comes up against them. They, they tend to shrink a little bit. Um, you know, but they have all their weapons and they have their frozen water bottles that they can throw at people with nobody seeing who they are. Or they can covertly set fire to something with nobody seeing who they are. Uh, as long as they keep their faces hidden and nobody finds out who they are, they are brave individuals. Very brave individuals who have done a great job at backing into a corner progressive elected officials who are cowards in their own right. So you have had two mayors couple of governors that have absolutely sat on their hands and allowed these people to do what they want, when they want, and how they want. And at some point in time, the people that live there are going to have to make hard decisions, whether it's going to be at the ballot box, which probably won't make a difference, or it's in relocating, it's in leaving, it's in moving somewhere else, it's taking their business and their families and the things that they value and leaving that area and therefore removing good people that actually care about the best interest of the community, going somewhere else and leaving it in the hands of the miscreants, the criminals, and the anarchists. And when that happens, well, all you will have is a shell of what used to be. These cities, these Portland is not getting larger. Portland is shrinking in size. We know Seattle is beginning to shrink in size as well as there are people that are leaving that city for greener pastures because of what has happened there if they think that people will continue to stay and they will continue to deal with it and they will put up with it while these officials continue to be reelected into office they're going to be sadly mistaken these people will leave they will not voice their displeasure. They'll show their displeasure by putting their homes up for sale, closing their businesses, and relocating to an area where they feel that they, their business, and their families will be safe. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Pete, West Richland. What's on your mind, Pete? Hey, I'm listening to you guys talk about uh, the insurrection going on in these cities and. I'm thinking to myself, people are watching all of this, and we have this election coming up in November, and they're kind of biding their time to see what's going to happen with Trump. And if if Trump gets reelected and nothing nothing happens to the people rioting, burning, pillaging, and plundering and murdering, um, I don't think it's it's going to be good. No, I, I agree, Pete. Thank you very much for the call. And yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there, whether it be um, you know waiting for the election, waiting uh, for the uh, Russia investigation, uh, you know the 
the Durham investigation. Will there be indictments uh, of different uh, key players in in things, or is this uh, is this not going to happen? And I think you know, as much as we hear about the you know the the potential rioting that might happen from the left if Trump is reelected. I think uh, we there there. I don't think there'll be rioting, but there will be uh, a lot of unhappy people, uh, either in the middle or the right, if if justice isn't served on some level. I agree with Pete. Let's go back to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Daniel Kennewick. Hi, Daniel. Hi. I enjoyed last hour's discussion, and uh, you guys do a great job on that. And Hector's call was just a great capper, pointing out some uh, things about conservatism. And I have another thing, extra, extra, hear all about it. The governor of Florida, the great state of Florida, has stopped the, um, how would you say it? He is, uh, he's in phase three. And uh, I wish uh, that would resonate with the governor here in uh, Washington. Out. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Ron DeSantis, uh, I saw this earlier, has uh, opened up uh, quite a bit of that state. Um, you know, it's uh, there's probably some political motivation behind it. There's certainly an economic uh, portion to it. I mean, think about it. Uh, all that tourism dollars, all those tourism dollars that Florida missed out on uh, this year uh, because of lockdowns, people couldn't fly for so long. And now, uh, you know, even within their own state, you know, uh, so it was it's it's a good move on Florida's part. That's for sure. No, no question there. You know, all we do, all we can do really is sit and watch. We're fortunate we don't have, um, we're fortunate that we do not have the, the dynamic that exists um, in those areas. Uh, regardless of the disagreements we may have, you know, because they always exist. Nobody's ever completely happy with decisions made by their local government, regardless if it's a city council or county commission or, or, you know, state legislature, whatever. Nobody's always happy. There's always decisions you don't like. There's always decisions that, um, you know, raise questions and, and, you know, you disagree with. But I think it's fair to say that one thing they all have in common in our community is a emphasis on safety and an emphasis on making sure that the communities are safe and you know we we have crime everybody does but we do not have these uncontrolled anarchist riots in our streets we don't have them now do we not have them because we don't have as large of a sentiment Uh, Maybe. But do we also not have them because we know and people that have lived here long enough know that our law enforcement will respond and they will not be told to stand down by anybody. 
They will break things up like that. They will keep the peace. They will make sure that the community, the businesses, and the residents are safe. I think that has a bigger bit, bit to do with it than anything else. Speak your piece. Call 509-547-1610. More of The Bottom Line, presented by Summit Funding and Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610-KONA. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, 547-1610 if you have any final thoughts. Ed, Friday afternoon, just a few minutes ago, and it is uh, time for the donkey to do its walk. I'll go first, and uh, we were talking about Florida opening things up. Ron DeSantis, the governor there, uh, doing uh, just that earlier today. Uh, I don't know if that's going to uh, help the situation in Dania Beach, Florida. What's going on there is the uh, city of Dania Beach uh, borders uh, Hollywood, Florida, a neighboring city, and Dania Beach uh, spent quite a bit of money uh, on this beautiful new sign it's a welcome to dania beach sign and uh you know it, it replaced an old worn out sign welcoming uh travelers to their to their beautiful little bird the problem is the sign is pointing in the wrong direction that's right apparently some folks that were putting the sign up have it pointing so that it looks like you're going into dania beach when you're in fact entering the city of hollywood and so the folks in Hollywood, Florida, are now at odds with the folks from Dania Beach to try to fix the problem. So my donkey of shame rider is uh, the poor folks who installed the Welcome to Dania Beach sign backwards. <laughs> you know, even though I've looked at a couple other options, it's just really hard for me to not put uh, Alyssa Milano on the donkey of shame this week. Anybody who has been as vocal as she has about defunding the police and getting rid of police departments and then calls the police because she can't figure out that a 12-year-old is actually out on her lawn with an air rifle shooting at squirrels and they wind up sending a tank and multiple law enforcement units to her gated house, 8,000 square feet, she calls 911. I'm sorry. That can't be overlooked. So, Alyssa Milano, who's on the donkey of shame? (laughs) I guess instead of who's the boss, who's on the donkey of shame? That would be you. And it won't be a very charmed ride, dear. No, I would, uh, I would think not. And, uh, you know, probably a little bit of uh, justice being served. I don't know if you would call that social justice or not. Well, she'll be surrounded with pictures of Rose McGowan, so it'll be very difficult for her. <laughs> oh, that'll do it for today's uh, bottom line here on News Radio 610 KONA. Rob, my friend, you have a good weekend. And you as well, my friend. We'll talk again next week. Coming up, ABC News and all the day's local news, a weather forecast, and more on the Afternoon Report. Stay with us.